Hello, horror fans. Welcome back to Selling the Scream. My name is Jed Donaldson. I'm one of your hosts. With me today, as usual, is the other host, Josh Yoakum. How are you doing, Josh? I'm, I'm doing well, considering. <laughs> I mean, yeah, considering the times we're in, I guess that's about as much as you can ask for. Yeah. Um, you know, things are things are weird right now, and they've been weird for a while and don't seem to stand to change anytime soon or ever. <laughs> yeah, that's people come to our our podcast for the boundless optimism. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm happy to to supply that. I mean, that's what we're known for. We yes. got to put it out there. It's our brand. Um, yeah, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of living in Silent Hill. These I'm out here in Portland, and it's we got all the smoke from the from the fire blowing in, and I'm it it, it is eerie times. So hopefully that that clears up soon. How are how are things? For you, I know it's normally where you ask, but yeah, no, things are <laughs> things are all right. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, talking about all the smoke, it'd be a good time to segue right into our newest segment, okay? Blog talk, where we talk about our favorite dumps, or most recent <laughs> dumps, or exciting dumps. Um, we're not really gonna do that. I mean, unless you got something interesting, uh, we'll, we'll, we we'll got s- air time to fill. <laughs> we'll save that for when we start our Patreon, and that'll be an exclusive. Okay, for... that'll be a special <laughs> ep. <laughs> All right, well, since we're not going to do log talk... <laughs> uh, changing titles already, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, log talk. <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, but before, I mean, if we're not going to do that, why don't we uh, talk about, you know, kind of how things have been going. I mean, and we yeah. were kind of head that way anyway. I know you're in, in Marlboro country with all the smoke. <laughs> yeah, um, going pretty well. Um, I'm, I've been kind of laid up a little bit by the smoke but i've i've taken that as an opportunity to uh to do what we we do here on the podcast watch watch a lot of horror movies so um i, I think i've got some ammo for future episodes even under under my belt i'm, I'm doing uh trying to do a new one per day for september and october yeah i noticed you've been uh, kind of blowing up the facebook feeds are you <laughs> are you putting those into the selling the stream feed as well or are you just putting those out there for your your regular folks i think that be... i'm just i'm just putting them out there for the regular folks now but i'll probably once i get them all um written and collected might even might even start up an old blog and just put a link there instead of just kind of dumping it all into everybody's timeline twice ooh, ooh fancy <laughs> i just thought you know it's a little little brand synergy one of the one of the hosts yeah. is doing, might as well put it out there for whatever fans we have to see yeah um I'll, I'll probably put that link up here let's do like i said there's a right the, there's a lot of overlap between like just personal friends and, and friends of the, of the of the group so again just trying to avoid the sure didn't i, didn't I just read this yeah well <laughs> but, I, mean, uh, I know let's <laughs> but uh what, what, have, what have you been what have you been up to well no hey we're not done yet what okay yeah, okay yeah, more questions about how you've been doing okay how many uh how many movies in are you uh i just wrapped up um 24 um that's putting me at almost two per day which is uh with how work can be and things come up in life that's that's i did not meet this goal last time i set it and it was less ambitious last time i I think i have a a good chance of of knocking this one out so i'm yeah nothing else to do nowhere else to be (laughs) yeah yeah and and watch time uh, till the fire forces you out (laughs) watch watch some that are you know like had been uh blind spots like i'd, I'd never seen uh, eyes without a face which is always one of those ones that like yeah. if you're if you've got people you know twirling their mustache and talking about horror movies that's usually one that comes up and it's it's surprisingly very good so i think i saw one or two in there that you said might be uh destined to be talked about here on this show yeah yeah some uh I also watched like uh, captain Cronus vampire hunter i think that is gonna be 
that is going to be a home run for you, my friend. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is a very Jed movie. <laughs> nice. I can't wait. Are we going to like shuffle up uh, our our watch order a little bit to throw new stuff in? Or hey, I'm I you know like like I've shown with the uh, the guests that have come on, I'm I'm I've got an idea and I've definitely got lists and I've got ones I I want to talk about, but I'll, I'll play fast and loose too, baby. <laughs> yeah, I love I love it. <laughs> awesome. Let's, Okay, now can can we can we can the people finally know what you've been up to? This is I don't know if they've earned it. We've kept kept them in suspense for so long. I mean, <laughs> it really is something to talk about. I, I gotta say, I, I've been I've been at home. I've been doing online school with my kids, and I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV, and that is the uh, start and finish of my days. That's <laughs> that's that's it. And oh, uh, oh yeah, oh yes, slowly growing fatter. And creeping towards my death. <laughs> well, I mean, one of those you're you're doing at all times, no matter what. So I've been really working on it though these past weeks. <laughs> trying trying to step on the accelerator. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Just I mean, not trying to make it go faster, just trying to make it better. Yeah, there we go. Putting more into it. <laughs> on effort, because yeah. I know it's just gonna happen regardless. Uh, that's that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it with with the way things are going. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just reading the room <laughs> and doing what, uh, going with the flow of traffic. But let's uh, enough about that garbage. This is yeah. uh, selling the stream, and uh, we're here to talk about some horror movies. Specifically, yeah. once the Josh, a self-proclaimed horror expert, has chosen in an attempt to convert me, an absolute neophyte to the genre, into a fan. Uh, today, we've got one of Josh's absolute favorites, uh, 1977 Suspiria. Uh, I know they did yes. a remake of this not too long ago, also, but uh, we're going yeah. back to the original. Yeah, well, they did. They did a remake in 2018, and and that's one that's on the table too. That's a uh, that's a really good one. You think it's good? I've heard dissenting opinions. From <laughs> There's people. yeah, it's I'd, I'd say that it's not as universally adored as the first one, but I think it's 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 doing of it's using the similar story to do a very different. And I think okay. it's it's if you look at it on its own. It's really good. Plus, it's got a it's got a Tom York soundtrack. So, I mean, Tom York's no Goblin, and we're gonna get into the oh, we've yeah. got things to say about the soundtrack of this movie. Yes, but... we'll talk about the soundtrack. <laughs> but but I, I like Tom York a lot. I like his soundtrack. Sure. Yeah, that's so, uh... yeah yeah. Don't dead air it. Come on. <laughs> so Suspiria. Uh, we're we're going back to Italy. We're going to uh, if uh, you know I had a a Mount Rushmore of um, Italian horror directors. We've already done Bava who. I'd kind of put like in the Washington position. I, I, I think uh, I think Argento is my my Jefferson. I think uh, he's the he's kind of the architect here. So um, he's um, we're gonna get into it because I love his movies, especially up until a certain point. I think he there's a real big dip in quality later in his career, but um, he's pretty golden for for quite a while, and uh, he's also like a really problematic creep, and we'll get into that too. <laughs> um, all right. But, Wait for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so he so you, is. You say yeah. this is one of your favorites. Like you're you're yes. putting it way up there. Is this like favorite favorites, or are you just specifically uh, putting it in the Italian genre? Or are you put, are you making this? Uh, oh no, this is this this is all problem. time for me, and I, I think this is part of why I love Italian horror so much. Mm-hmm. Is, is this this was my introduction? I think I I had read like a blurb in a book, just like oh yeah, check this movie looks real neat. Check it out. And I saw it, and I was not prepared for what I saw. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's. I think this is just 
probably one of the most visually stunning movies. I was going to, I was going to say, even if we, you know, whatever else conversation we have about this movie, this is probably one of the most visually interesting things that we've watched so far. And maybe probably will watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's renowned. And I mean, there, even the people who are critical against it will say like, well, yeah, it is very pretty, but, (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then they have to make the rest of their criticism because i think it's, it's it's just it's pretty astounding um I, yeah i would say this is i i there's a lot of like italian horror i think would make like a top 50 or top 100 list for me i think this is the only one i can say without a shadow of a doubt would be like top 10 um high praise indeed yeah i i i i love this movie and and i i I tend to like my favorite things. And I think just in, in a lot of things, I, I like to tend, I, I tend to like things that are really beautiful, but also kind of flawed. Cause I think there's, there are some, there's some aspects of this movie that don't work and we can, we can get into that when, <laughs> when we get to that part. But um, I, I think overall, it's just, it, the whole package is so stunning and gobsmacking that it's, um, it's, it's up there for me. And uh, Dario Argento, I think a lot of his other stuff, this, this period, from when he first started up through kind of like the late eighties, early nineties is just, there's, there's, there's very few duds in there. And this is, this is kind of the top of the, um, so he, Oh, I got, I, I hear a little, a little tunage. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> um, so Dario Geno, he's the, uh, he's the son of, uh, Salvatore Argento. It was like a, a, a big, All right, I'll stop. That's okay. <laughs> you had to compete. So yes, you won um, this round. So before we get into anything, that I'm going to drop one piece of trivia on on you because now I I fully appreciate this bit of trivia. The music was written before the movie was filmed. Oh yeah. And the music he would <laughs> Tario Argento would blast it on set exceptionally loud while people were doing their scenes, like and just rattle them with this music constantly <laughs> it's i mean it's pretty loud in the movie sometimes like it, it's really dominating yeah, uh, really it's, it's particularly the uh i guess the the witch theme yeah, like, the, the title the, track the, yeah the... creepy stuff is coming in they hit you with those discordant notes like heavy and hard <laughs> yeah um but uh like i was saying dario gento is the he's the, he's the son of a movie producer a very successful movie producer so he, he comes from wealth um his dad produced like genre movies and also like art films like he did like fellini so he had like a very highfalutin um wealthy background a lot of classical learning knows his you know his classical music and classic art and went to school for the humanities kind of fashions himself to be like a, a renaissance film man and hugely influenced by hitchcock um it's like really wanted to be the next alfred hitchcock um, his okay. brother, his brother is also a producer. Both his brother and his dad produced this movie. I, yeah, there was a lot of Argento names all over the credits. <laughs> <laughs> and then also his his girlfriend at the time uh, co co wrote it with him. So it's it's Dario Argento and uh, and Dari. Dari, Daria Nicolodi. Okay. So Dar, Dario and Daria just uh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> um, but kind of bef- before this movie, uh, he had had. His very first film was uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with, with Jalo, but I'll kind of lay out what it is real quick because that's mm-hmm. that's really where 
he got his start and basically sparked this this genre. Um, there there already been a couple. Bava Bava made a couple, and I think he made maybe one of the better ones, Blood and Black Lace. But uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage really is where it takes off. And uh, Giallo is Italian for yellow, and it's like their pulp novel. It's um, yeah, I've heard I've heard the term before. I I don't know that I'm super familiar with it, but I I have heard that. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a very particular type of like um mystery noir story that's also very lurid and very violent. Okay. Um and it kind of birthed in America and birthed like the slasher genre because oftentimes in these films there's there's a who done it aspect and the killer stalks people usually with a knife or a razor blade, usually has some like a mask or you just don't see their face and has black gloves. Okay. Um, so Argento does Bird with the Crystal Plumage, and kind of on top of all that, it's just it's visually stunning, and he kind of turns a lot of the conventions of the genre on their head, and it makes a ton of money. So he makes uh, two more. He makes um, they're called his Animal Trilogy. He makes like four Flies on Gray Velvet and um, Cat of Nine Tails, and um, then he goes and tries his hand. He's he's kind of feeling full of himself because he birthed this genre that becomes wildly successful in Italy. He goes and makes two like comedy dramas that are like explore Italian history. Um, nobody speaks of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> so stick to your uh, strengths, Sario. <laughs> um, he comes back and kind of reinvents the giallo again. He does um, he does Deep Red, which um, probably is my 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 second favorite of his movies. I was if if we didn't already have the clause of movies I'd watched at your house, I, I might have led with Deep Red first. But it's, All right. it's, well, it's yeah. a giallo, but it kind of introduces some supernatural stuff in. And that like the, the logic gets a little bit more dreamy in it. Um, you can see that this, this kind of leads into Suspiria. Um, he, he co-writes this with, his, with one of the stars of Deep Red. Um, he, he met Daria Nicolodi on the set. Um, they hit it off. They, they're both fairly scholarly. She serves as his muse, which we go back to another episode. I, I, I think is a fairly loaded term because I think yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of his best stuff is when they were together and then she leaves and all of a sudden she doesn't get the credit anymore. And his and stuff movie, is and terrible. The quality goes down. Yeah. It's like, yeah, <laughs> she was the inspiration with uh big old air quotes there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she co-writes with this with him and this Suspiria is way more overtly supernatural, um, than anything else he's done before. But there's a lot of the, the Jalo fingerprints there. Um, part of why I wanted to talk about it is just cause it's generally in a Jalo that the protagonist is usually a foreigner. Um, okay. it, they're, it, they're usually somebody who's trying to solve a mystery and most of the time they're not a cop. Um, and there's just kind of at their, there's a lot of sensory stuff at play which i think he amps up to the millionth degree in this movie where um people have a hard time remembering things or like yeah. they, they, they flip-flop something that they saw and that is just what suspiria is <laughs> yeah there's um, a hell of a lot of that stuff. yeah and then on on top of that the part of where the, the script came from as well is is fairy tales um this is a a witch story and it's it's very much told like one it's uh, you know you even have an opening opening narrator basically giving you your once upon a time yeah. <laughs> um, uh but it's also based on um there was a, a, a english 
like essayist, and this is back when, and I, I, I wish I lived during this time, when people would think you were brilliant if you were just an English guy that could write okay and you did a lot of opium. Um, <laughs> this guy, Thomas De Quincey, he basically just like would, would smoke opium until he was blind and then write whatever dumb shit came into his head and people loved him. <laughs> It's a good um, if you can get it. Yeah, yeah. So one of his essays was about um, the, I forget her name, but the Roman goddess of childbirth. And he proposed that there should be like three other, there's like the fates and the graces. And he wanted to have like these like bad versions of them associated with the goddess of childbirth. And he called them uh, modern lycromerum mater suspiriorum and matter mater tenebrarum um so this new greek mythology pieces yeah just new new roman mythology just All right. you know you get that's people paid for it <laughs> <laughs> like, i don't i don't think you get to do that though <laughs> that stuff's already established they they did it you don't just get to add on <laughs> it's Ro- roman mythology fan fiction <laughs> right <laughs> with with their own mary sue insert characters <laughs> um, that's that seems awfully presumptuous <laughs> but um they, they they drew inspiration from this and and dario argento this is the first of his three mothers trilogy um the so this is the one that concerns mater suspiriorum if, as you could probably guess which is yeah. uh mother of size um inferno which comes out later which is um darkness and then um mother of tears which he didn't release until years and years later and that is just garbage scoop straight out of the dump it is it is <laughs> one of one of the worst movies i've seen him make so it'll, um, it'll be on the podcast <laughs> oh we're gonna do some bad ones at some point i'm not we we've, we've been uh we've done some bad ones man no, we've done all good ones. We've done ones that haven't passed your test. I, I will say ones that were the the point of it is for me to show you how enjoyable a bad thing can be, even without riffing. So, um, I do want to touch real briefly, too, on just why I also identify Dario Argento as a sex creep. And then we'll we'll go into the story and we'll sure. talk about all that stuff. But um, so uh, every time he's interviewed, uh, he usually ends up saying something like really off-putting about women. <laughs> um, kind of the, the general big one is that um, he, in his movies, he always wants to have more female victims than male victims because he thinks um, basically you enjoy it more when you see a, a woman get like chased down because she's, you think she's more vulnerable, um, which is a, a real weird thing to couple with the fact that every yeah, time it's, it's a weird <laughs> A weird sentiment to put out there. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that makes it doubly weird is that he also um, insists on being the hands of any killer in, in any of his movies. Um, so anytime you see a woman being choked or like her throat being slit, that's always Dario Argento. Um, Probably something that needs to be looked at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, there was a thing too where I, I think as a as a young adult, when I first kind of got into him, I just assumed it was like a European thing where he started putting his daughter in movies. Um, That's Ozzy Argento, right? Yeah. And she has nude scenes in every single one of his movies that I've seen that, um, that she's in of of her father's, which she's Mm. of legal age, but that's still like, yeah, that's, (laughs) yeah, 
I I think when it comes to like the creepy stuff, this is the part that I have heard, and probably from you, but this is kind of the part of it that I know. Yeah, and then I I, I you know I don't want to just throw out accusation thing, but the, the the stuff that comes up later with with Aja where she's also a sexual predator and she's preying on like underage men. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that's, that's kind of one of those things you like, look back, like, is the, is this the apple not falling too far from the tree or. Mm. You, you hate <laughs> to say without knowing, but those sort of things are often related. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm not putting anything concrete out there. I'm just saying he reads as a creep just based on a lot of this stuff. I think he's a genius. I think especially during this period, like, it's kind of undeniable how great his films are. And I don't think he's done anything that's like so far, like illegal that I know of, but it's just <laughs> but, some you know, real, some real question marks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just, I, I kind of wanted to get that out there before we, we get no, into I, the jokes and the jokes and the japes. <laughs> I think that's important that people know that even if we don't know all of the story, we know enough of the story to say, this is something that we're considering while we're talking about this. It's not just. Yeah. I mean, especially because, you know, like, like in all the rest of his movies, we have, you know, not all female victims, but we have primarily female victims being killed by here. So, um, yeah, let's, you're ready to get into it. I think so. Okay. So, um, I'll just kind of go through like a basic, uh, plot summary here and we'll kind of touch on what we want to talk about from there because, uh, there's a lot of things to talk about in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so this is uh, about a, a, a young American woman, Susie Banyan, who's played by, by Jessica Harper. Um, she travels to Freiburg, Germany to enter the Tanz Dance Academy, a prestigious German ballet school. Um, the night she gets there, she shows up at the, at the school and uh, she sees somebody fleeing the school as she arrives and she's not let in there's somebody panicked or rude on the on the intercom with her right um so she ends up coming back the next day to be fair it is very late that she shows up (laughs) yeah and it's like it's when i say it's like you know storming it's it is like it is buckets and yeah yeah like um already like a a mood's getting pretty powerfully established you know we're, we're gonna talk again about the soundtrack but just it is it is blasting for, for this whole time. Yeah, the, um, the little bits that you heard earlier, that's that's the main theme. And it is basically present throughout the movie like this, this early part, especially yeah. um, you're hearing that constantly. It, it doesn't stop for quite some time. Yeah. Um, and then there's there's kind of variations on it. And there's like e- even the other stuff that isn't that main theme, which I love. Look, this is a, a, a soundtrack I would heartily recommend you seek out. But um, the even a lot of the other pieces just like percussive and overwhelming and driving. Um, mm-hmm. So the, we, we, we start following the, the other student who, who was running away. Um, she runs into like the town. She's, she's terrified of something. The, the, the friend that she's staying with before she figures out like where she's, what she's going to do next is trying to comfort her and saying, stay there. Um, and they are attacked. Um, well, the, at least the, the, the one who ran, is, is attacked by some sinister force. You see some eyes and a hand. A big, a big <laughs> um, old hairy arm breaks yeah. the glass. Yeah, and this is another uh, this is another Dario Argento signature. Um, there's a lot of de- defenestration in, in Dario Argento movies. It seems like there's just a lot of defenestration in horror movies, full stop. <laughs> yeah, well, his signature is um, is face-first defenestration. 
All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. She was. Uh, she was <laughs> mushed up against that glass pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so much so that there's a, in his movie Phenomena, um, there's a it starts with a woman like running up to the top of a waterfall. She's being chased by a killer, and at the top of the waterfall is like a wall with a window in it overlooking the waterfall, and it's okay. the only structure there. And the woman is driven face first through <laughs> this isolated window in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, John Woo's got his doves. <laughs> Yes, this is uh, one of one of the Dario Argento singers. Um But she's pulled out, and she's just brutally assaulted by whatever Something. person it's, is attacking her. There, we know it's a, a man, but we also see, saw like glowing green eyes. Um, Do you think it was a man? I mean, <laughs> I kind of thought it was like a supernatural creature at first because that arm did not. It did not he, immediately read as human. And yeah, human. I mean, it's, it's a, out there. Was at it least, something that was summoned? Yeah, at least something that's able to like manipulate uh, a blade and uh, and a rope because she's dragged out to. Um, See, those those are points in the uh, it's a man column because <laughs> I was really kind of surprised to see the knife in the the gloved hand after the big hairy naked arm pulled her through the glass. <laughs> well, I think I think in this movie we you're you get some indication later on of what, what forces are at play, but it's, it's generally kind of all witchcraft. (laughs) And so if it's like a physical agent or if it's some sort of just curse or malice in the world, like it's fairly unclear and they don't seem, he does not seem too uh, interested in resolving that question by the end of the Smiths. No, but like, as this is happening, the, the woman that, that uh, Pat goes to go stay with is the Pat, is the pseudonym ran and Sonia is the, the friend she's trying to run through the building and like get help or warn people. That's that there's somebody attacking yeah. um, upstairs. Pat's viciously murdered, driven through a, a plate glass, like ceiling window. <laughs> it's just like a skylight. Um, yeah. Skylight, but with like plate glass. So it's like, yeah, gorgeous it's, mosaic. This whole, this whole building is incredible incredible looking just yes all yeah. the colors and the lines and the patterns and the shape i mean it's, it's we, a lot of like visually striking in this this early scene shows you exactly what we mean yeah it's um a lot of like art deco stuff in this part um where it's kind of those like those 1920s like wallpaper pattern type things and um i mean again you know as we say visually stunning dario argento knew exactly how he wanted this movie to look and he he executed it. it is this mm-hmm. is not this is not chance there's nothing here that's not what he wants you to see at pretty much any given time right um so we get a little a little uh a little two for kill here we get uh the pat's shattered through the plate glass she's already been stabbed through the heart it, she's uh, stabbed and then strangled with <laughs> strangled yes yeah. it's antenna wire or some sort of electrical wire and then thrown through this glass so she's oh. hung stabbed <laughs> choked yeah. fenestrated redefenestrated <laughs> and the her friend down below is directly below her as this um as the skylight shatters yeah. and one thing i really love here is how they pan over and the first thing you see is just like one tiny piece of glass in her arm. Uh-huh. And you're just like, oh, no, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> waiting she... to see what's next. And the next thing you see is like she gets like there's like a girder piece and all the glass is just annihilated. Yeah. Yeah, like, like an angular piece of the window frame has impaled her to the floor. And this huge shard of glass has just gone right through her face. 
And this is probably the the most gory that this movie gets. Yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely uh and, and it's it's gory and I, I think the I think the razor wire stuff a little later on is kind of out there too, but you don't see as much of that. that and then you also that makes you wince because like you have an idea of what that feels like, but you don't see a whole lot with it, other than yeah. like you know, like painted on the skin. There's no like indication. There's no like you don't see cuts or anything I, like that. And you get like some some kind of surreal stuff here too. Like when um when she gets stabbed in the heart, like there's basically already like a cutaway piece of her skin and her heart is exposed. Oh yeah, like yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, and it's it's just it's it's something else that just sort of takes you like by surprise. It's just some visual thing that you were just like, oh, like I knew she was getting messed up. I didn't realize like it was exposed heart messed up <laughs> that, that felt to me more like a or like just, just a, a stylistic choice of like yes, i'm gonna show you choice just to show yeah just to show exactly what stabbed. was happening like you're you could see her getting stabbed but this was a oh this particular one pierced the heart yeah yeah so um getting getting back to the we we go back to what's going on with Susie. so we know pat has fleed the school we know there's something bad going on there and, and she was not she was not fibbing right yeah <laughs> Um, it was not in your mind, <laughs> <laughs> but Susie starts to meet, um, all the people at the school. She meets like the headmistress, the head instructor, um, some of the, like the servants, the, right. And all this stuff seems pretty, uh, pretty normal. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing sinister at all about <laughs> the, the, uh, the madam and like her beloved Albert, the little Damien child that's just cackling. <laughs> <laughs> did did we see that kid this early? First time I remember seeing him was a little later on in the hallway where she gets blinded by the knife. <laughs> I think that's the second time you see him. I think okay. you, you you see him here. He's he's introduced when you first meet um Madame Blanc, the okay. the headmistress or at least the the face of the school. <laughs> um, and uh, you meet like Pavlos, the ser- like there's a mute Romanian servant. Yarp. <laughs> and then Susie meets the other students at the school and like one of the things they established really early is that they're like the the other girls at the school for the most part are very competitive um they're they, they make a point of talking about like how money grubbing they are yeah um this was this was an interesting scene to me because it kind of set up a lot of uh a lot of conflict between the other girls in the locker room in the in the in the school yeah and then that goes away. Like you don't. Oh yeah. You there's, really there's only whole, one other girl for the majority of the movie. <laughs> yeah. There's there's whole subplots that drop off. Like they also they introduce um a, in it's it's so minor but it, it feels like it might be major. They introduce like a potential romantic entrance interest right. for Susie that like he sticks around longer than the girls though. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's still kind of just. Yeah, he's he's just he there. They don't, they don't the do anything. Yeah, they don't do anything. Yeah, and I think I think it's part of it is also like that Jalo tradition of like you kind of have to suss out who's important and what's <laughs> who who are the, the the players in this. Um, but she meets two students. I do want to call out here. She meets um, Olga, who's going to put her up and is kind of like the prime example of the like arch bitchiness of um, of, of the school. <laughs> The snake name hazing. Yes, that I was gonna say. Jed and Josh. J names are the names of jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> but she she does that with Susie and Sarah, and those are snake names. Um, so something that you part of what 
explains a bit of why the dialogue in this movie feels so weird, especially the girls' dialogue, is that this was initially written um, for the characters to be 10 to 12 years old. Um, and when basically Dario Argento's dad came to him and said, like, hey, um, there's a lot of violent stuff that happens in this movie. We can't make a movie full of, like, Okay. 12-year-olds getting, like, impaled with <laughs> with glass and stuff. Yeah, that locker room scene makes a whole lot more sense if you look at it through that lens. Yeah, and it's, um, so Dario Agenda just kept the script exactly the same. It was like, okay, we'll do it with 20-year-olds. Um, and even kept a lot of the child imagery, like, one of the, the because a lot of these are sets that he built. Um, uh-huh. One of the big things that you'll notice is that the um, the doorknobs are all at head height. So it's it appears every time they're like interacting with a door, they look even more childlike. Um, huh. That is that's an intentional choice. So, okay. Uh, I mean, it, it fits with the witch fairy tale. Yeah. Vibe that they're going. Um, but yeah, you you had mentioned the 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 blinding in the uh, in the hallway. That's actually what what happens next. They're they're. She goes home, briefly home with Olga. You kind of establish where she's staying. Then she goes back to the to the school the next day, and yeah, before she of, can start, yeah, yeah, they kind of have like a you know a little introductory sort of thing. She's just doing the kind of warm ups and stuff, and the the headmistress comes to her and says, um, "Your room wasn't ready before. It's ready now." And she says, "Well, I think I just stay with Olga." Yeah. And the headmistress does not seem to be well. She. She doesn't seem terribly upset by it, but she does make kind of a bigger deal about it than I would have expected. Yeah, and I think at this point, too, we also um, – we, we did skip. There is a brief bit where the police are investigating the disappearance of Pat. Right. And um, and Susie mentions that she had seen her that night and that she, like, thought she heard her say something, but she couldn't remember what. Right. Um, so that, that kind of explains a little bit as to why the school is kind of taking a little bit more – of an interest and wants to keep her close. Um, and she gets, she gets the whammy put on her in, in the hallway. <laughs> yeah. This was, this was kind of strange. I, uh, this is the, like one of the, is this the first time you get the, uh, like the witch theme for the, the, the bad juju happening? Um, well, I think you get the, are you talking about the, the kind of the, 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 the percussive, the actual song called. Yes. Witch. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that I'm, it's either here or I forget if it's, yeah, it's here because I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the other one, Dark Forest, which sounds kind of similar where, um, when Pat's running through the woods, I think you might, similar I think you might get witch a little bit too when she's being attacked and thrown through the, the glass, at the apartment building. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, this is, we're talking about the, the music that plays when witchy stuff is happening, which is really, really off-putting stuff. <laughs> it, it definitely evokes the you know, discordant kind of what is going on. This, this is not right. <laughs> sort of feeling. Yeah. I, it's, it took me it's... a couple listens to kind of get into it. But once I kind of realized how it was being used, I, I, I felt a lot better about it than I did. Just, it's not, I don't know that I would just listen to it, but it fits what they're going for here. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one of the things the, um, I think there are upsides and downsides to having like a band do your score as opposed to like, a, a composer mm-hmm. um, and, and especially having, you know, most of the time movie scores work where you, you do the movie and then the composer's watching it and the director's saying like, I want, you can see what I'm doing in this scene. I want the yeah. music to do this, but also maybe to be doing this in the background. So you're, you're building it from there. Whereas you're, you're doing the opposite here and you're building the movie around this bug out 
progressive funk band like, just going ham. Like. Yeah. But um, yeah, you get you get the witch theme here. She gets like the this light flash in her eyes, and when she gets to the class, she's like not feeling well. But the 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 head instructor, the Miss Miss Tanner, is forcing her to dance. Is like goading her into doing it by saying like, oh, we're we're right. not like for beginners, and she wants to see where where she's at since she's this foreign student from from America. He's kind of wants to see what she's working with, but yeah she is really out of it. Just she's weak and, and can't, you know, just disoriented. <laughs> and I, I do love too that the, uh, we get the next scene. Cause she's one of the things that's kind of recurring here. And I think it, as this is a movie that, you know, I'm going to steal a Joe Bob Briggs thing here that, that doesn't let the plot get in the way of the story. <laughs> um, okay. And, uh, we'll kind of move it a little bit faster of a clip here as, as things kind of unwind and we get past the setup. But, uh, She's diagnosed and basically told to like stay at the school and they're, they're keeping her there. And the doctor that comes out, boy, this doctor reminds me of the, the, the doctor from, uh, from dead alive, the tranquilizers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I see it. It's uh, German as well. So maybe not as, maybe not as German. <laughs> um. But the uh, th- this becomes like a recurring theme where like they're they're basically controlling her diet and they're control they're either through magic or through putting stuff in her food or some combination of both they're kind right. of like subduing her and making her drowsy and well the doctor certainly it. gives her an, an injection she he does yes gives her yes. something immediately and she's she is like suspicious that her luggage has been moved back to the, the building like the same day that this happened like within. Basically the same time frame that she got yeah. uh, the whammy put on her. She was like, why is my stuff here already? <laughs> um, yeah, we... <laughs> then, it's then it's we apparent that sh- they want her here. <laughs> yeah. And, and we get a... Um, control. <laughs> the one scene I do want to get into a little bit more later, but I, I kind of want to gloss over now, because we, another kind of supernatural thing that happens is like uh, there's maggots that get out in the... Um, yeah. In like spoiled food uh, drop onto everybody on the floor below. So you get a, a great terrified maggot scene. Um, a lot of maggots too. It was just... <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. They, they, they do not spare. They do not go light on the maggot. Um, I think that this is also followed by, because of them finding that they um, all are sleeping like in the same, like main room together and putting up right. these, like, like the partitions, the gymnasium area. Yeah. That, that was a, a really interesting look. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just it's it's got a lot of crazy lighting here, which you know is all throughout the rest of it too. But it almost feels very stagey here because everything's backlit and the shadows yes, behind yeah. them where the curtains are and stuff. Like um, this is there was a part here where they're where they're sleeping and um oh what was the other girl the girl that was actually investigating stuff Sarah Sarah where yeah. she's she she wakes the main character up and says. You hear that snoring? I heard that snoring before. I was like, so fucking what? It's snoring. <laughs> <laughs> so the lady snores. Is that a – who cares? <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's it's because they – she knows that there's like a secret headmistress of the school. She knows that there's like um, – or at least some sort of benefactor, the um, the Marcos, who you end up finding out is like the head right. witch, who's, but is also like presumed dead um, because she would be ancient at this point. Um, but that's, she recognizes it because like they said that the headmistress came in and like, and slept in a room near her and she recognizes the snoring again. Yeah. And there's, there's a, 
somebody behind them who's who's sleeping. I, I also think this is another scene where where it becomes very obvious that if you know that this was written for ten to twelve year old girls, like these twenty year old women having like a pillow fight before their big sleepover. <laughs> and this this read like a like a ghost story, and it's like, and the call was coming from upstairs. It was that. I mean, it was that kind of that was the energy that she was giving off when she was telling her. I never Very get that snoring. It's like, what? Who gives a shit about the snoring? <laughs> Snore. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have bad news if Sarah ever moved in with me. <laughs> I mean, it it does make more sense, you know, when you watch the whole movie. But right yeah. right now, it's like, is this a plot point? Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's another thing where it's like a, a this sort of this very sensory thing where they're kind of so much of this movie is just like people listening to things or misremembering what they saw or like, it's like tactile. Right. Like it's, it's just, it's, I just, I really feel that our, our main character gets kind of backdoored into the mystery here. Like the, <laughs> the person yeah. who is here already investigating this stuff does not give a good enough uh, explanation of why she's so concerned about these things to yeah, our main I... character to, to kind of bring her on board. <laughs> I, I kind of think that's another giallo too. Like it's um, where either the person to investigate is just wildly unqualified or not very good at it. Or like yeah. the person you initially think is the investigator is like killed off halfway through the movie. And then there's a sudden like switch in perspective um, that that's pretty common in giallo. I, I will, I will say that, you know, again, having been told that the, these parts were written for like 12, 13 year old girls, this it sounds like that like it makes more sense if you look at it like that it, it does not make sense for these 20 somethings to have these conversations the way that they're having <laughs> yeah yeah from just I, I mean we we mentioned kind of the locker room stuff the way they're teasing they're like sticking out their tongues at each other and like or you know just like i said before having like pillow fights <laughs> <laughs> like a child a child would have trouble uh articulating the yeah, why they were suspicions that that she has in a way that an, an adult would not in that it, this this dialogue and these these reasoning it makes a lot more sense with yeah. that information so um, we, we we start to get a couple more victims we get uh that there's a, a piano instructor at the at the school who's who's blind and his uh he's got a german shepherd and we see the the eerie child and his caretaker approach the, the the german shepherd outside and then they say that it, the, the dog bit the child and are very cruel to this piano player kick him out um what, and, why though <laughs> <laughs> i didn't understand why yeah <laughs> i don't know too much this is this is he kinda... did intimate when he was leaving yeah. that you know he he can hear he hears things but <laughs> i don't think it's that though i don't like because it's why why did either the dog really attacked albert because it just they could smell the evil on him or like they just maybe, but I mean, he's been going there for a while. I don't get the yeah. sense that he was a new hire. I mean, the other thing I, I, I kind of wonder at too, and it's because the, I mean, I mean the, the motives are sort of are so backgrounded in this, mm -hmm. um, that, which I, I actually, you talking about the, the remake, that's actually, that's, that's a big difference in the remake is the remake is really more from the witch's point of view. Okay. So you see like a lot more of like, the, the politicking and stuff. But what, what you do learn later on um, in two of the worst scenes in this movie, there's two back-to-back -back exposition scenes where basically Susie learns what's going on from uh, Sarah's psychologist and from a professor. Um, yeah. yeah. 
the occult. <laughs> um but one of the things they say is that they can that witches can enforce their will on the world but only through doing like harm right so i I, part of me just also wonders if this is just something where like oh we need we need to like hurt somebody real bad (laughs) because because that's just that's how we maintain our that's how we keep our tank full (laughs) okay if you want to tell me that there's no reason for them to do it that's fine I mean, I, I can't really find one, but again, I think this is a movie that I don't want to hand wave away as much as Phantasm, like that there's there's no explanations, because I think this is a little bit more a little bit more fleshed out than Phantasm I, was. I um, also think that it's it's OK, because like you said, it, it is kind of, you know, that fairy tale quality. Yeah. And it's, so it it's, doesn't need a whole lot of grounding. It's, it's just, you know, when you look at it, you're like, well, yeah, but why the fuck did they do that? <laughs> But he gets he gets a really cool uh, death scene. I'd like to talk about again <laughs> a little a bit. Really, a really funny death scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he ends up getting like stalked by some force that he you know obviously he can't see, but he can sense in this like beautiful park they filmed in Munich. I forget the name of this park, but like mm-hmm. a lot of classical like building facades in this huge empty courtyard. A lot of pillars and concrete square. Yeah, yeah it's, a, um, it's a neat neat looking place. Yeah, and there, there's like the cameras zooming in around him, so you there, you think something might be coming from like the sky. Um, you, right, you, and the, the dogs bark going crazy, and he's like, "What? What is it? Where? Who's out there?" Yeah, I do love that this is also like after this classically trained pianist who plays for like a ballet school goes out to the beer hall and just very much enjoys like some just oompa music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the big twist here, the big jump scare is he gets he gets attacked and and killed by his his own seeing eye dog, right? Uh, like that, driven into some sort of frenzy that he assured everyone would not hurt anyone. Yeah, his yeah. Dog is gentle and would never hurt someone. Which I you know you talk about the 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 gore in that first scene. Like I, I think it's kind of a subtle thing, but it it is pretty unnerving when all you can see is the uh, the dog at the bottom of the screen. Yes. Pulling up like tight meat and snapping it off. Yeah, this is this is another one. Of, there's there are several times where the the camera work is just really incredible in in where it's framed. Like uh, there's this scene. There's a scene earlier where um, what's the main character's name? Susie. Susie. Susie is drinking the wine that came with her dinner, and the yeah. the the camera is focused on the cup as she drinks. But she is off camera, so you're just seeing the liquid in the cup tilt back and and slowly diminish, as if it's yeah. being poured out of frame. It's it's I've never seen I've never seen a camera shot like that before. <laughs> yeah, he I mean that's that's the stuff that Argeno is just. It's like I I, I talk about like other directors and having like crazy set pieces. With Argento, it's like everything is a set piece. It's like there's there's not there's almost not a, a moment that isn't visually anything. And I think like part of why I think the the exposition scenes that are coming up with like the psychiatrist and the, and the professor are so bad is it's just like a static shot of people like talking right. and nothing, nothing interesting is going on. Like, they're just so, they're so dull. There's nothing happening. And like, I, I don't know how you have Udo Kier, which I don't know if you recognize Udo Kier. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy who plays like the creepiest motherfucker in the room in every movie TV show he's ever been in. Like the the guy that shows up in any movie and you're like that's the vampire. Like, this, this is this isn't a vampire movie. Oh no, but he's the vampire. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you make him boring? <laughs> like, first of all, how do you how do you 
how do you dub him? <laughs> what was this movie like? Was like everything done ADR? Like some of the voices did not sound like they. Yes, I, 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 we talked about it a little bit with Black Sunday about how how Italian movies are made um, as far as sound design goes, and this right. is it, it's the same here where um, like Jessica Harper provides her own voice, and a lot of the actors who play themselves in their foreign in, in their home market they provide their own voice mm-hmm. but they're all it's it's all idiot it's it's okay. uh, i yeah. thought so it, it just it's very apparent that some of the voices just they don't sound like the people speaking <laughs> yeah and like and some of the the even the actors aren't speaking the same language in the scenes that they're in so you have like somebody speaking italian somebody speaking german and somebody speaking english okay and, having to get cues as to when they're supposed to like talk. <laughs> that seems like a crazy way to do film. You know, whatever it works. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's Italy, man. <laughs> Say no uh, more. Uh, and another scene I want to talk about just from a visual standpoint, but we get a little bit more bonding between um, Susie and Sarah as um, Sarah kind of starts to let Susie in a little bit more on, some of the goings on that's happening there. And they, they do it. And again, again, like another art deco, like uh, the swimming pool, right? The pool. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to talk more about the pool scene. Cause I think I, this is like visually one of my favorite scenes, like okay. in any movie. Um, but we, we learned some, some more, some exposition here that, that the, the person who was on the intercom that night that Pat left was, was Sarah. Um, and she was like frightened cause Pat was trying to tell her something and she has like notes on what Pat was trying to communicate to her. Right. But she kind of doesn't understand what's going on. She just knows something sinister is happening here. And that like that Susie needs to be careful who she talks to. Were these, um, were these notes that she had taken or notes that Pat had taken and that she found after Pat left? Um, I believe that that Pat had taken and, and passed to her as she was. Okay. Leaving. Right. Um, and she's going to show Susie the notes later. Um, that she comes back, the notes are missing. Uh, again, Susie's fault. I can't stay awake. Um, right. But um, Susie is able to uh, figure out, like they, they, one of the things they figure out is that the, the teachers are not leaving the school. Right. Um, they, they are told that the teachers don't stay at night. They, they leave after dinner, yeah. but she's able to hear from their footsteps that the, the way they're walking the hallway, they're not going to they're turning left instead of right. So they're not heading towards the front door and out of the building. They're going a different direction. Yeah. So um, but she falls asleep after this. And then we get um, we get Sarah's death, a uh, prolonged exploration and, and chase through the, the halls of the school. This um, fucking scene <laughs> is batshit crazy. Yeah. Drawn out. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, she she covers a lot of ground and she explores a lot of stuff. And this is all this is all like soundstage sets. So as much as I harp on like geography normally, and this is a movie where I I don't I don't mind I don't I don't mind that it, I don't know where in the building they are or what's going on because it's it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not necessary. This is a movie where that stuff's not necessary. Yeah, it's not. They're he's not trying to like set you up for some whammy where somebody gets hit from one room to another and you know what's in this other room. Like he's trying to surprise you and shock you. And right. I, I would argue with her death, he he. <laughs> you've seen some some crazy shit so far, but <laughs> I, just, I, I mean we'll we'll talk about the death, but I still want to talk about <laughs> the the lead the up to it. Yes, because I feel like the you know. Like we're talking about, you know, setting up the geography of the place. I think the idea here is, you know, that she kind of you 
you feel like she's lost. Like she's yeah, she's getting lost in a maze. She's yes. So she she heads up the stairs because there's everywhere she turns, she sees shadows moving. You know, people are coming. So she goes upstairs and gets spooked into this room and locks the door. And this the this part (laughs) where the guy slowly slides what looks like a butter knife in and jimmies that fucking handle for like 17 minutes. <laughs> trying to get in and they just keep yeah. cutting back to it <laughs> i'm like what why <laughs> why are we still showing this <laughs> it's building tension jed <laughs> as she tries to build a pyramid out of luggage to get out of a tiny window that's like 10 feet above the ground in this room <laughs> it's 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 great i know um yeah it's a, it's that sh- it's the straight razor that's 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 such that's a, a signature italian right yeah it's just it's <laughs> I know, I know it's not a butter knife, but just, <laughs> that's what it looks like coming through the door. And he's just like, tink, 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 tink. You know it's coming. <laughs> I never felt like that guy was, like, she was, she could have stayed there all night. That guy was in no danger of getting through that door. Yeah, well, I mean, I think later on it's very heavily implied that this is Pavlos. And, and, <laughs> okay. and Pavlos is, uh, he's a special case. He's, <laughs> he's a... Sure. Is. Yeah, he's a he's kind of a, a a mute lunk that's uh had had a toothache, so he pulled all his teeth out and got new fake ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a beautiful smile. Doesn't the, doesn't the uh like the second in command basically say, oh he's he's ugly, but don't worry, he can't understand what we're saying. <laughs> you can tell him that if you want. <laughs> like the very first scene you see him in, she's like, oh look at how hideous he is. Don't worry, he can't understand us. <laughs> what a maroon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we're in this tiny room dude is ever so slowly trying to get this lock up with the butter knife <laughs> he's building up the luggage tower to get out of the tiny little window and i have to say that i did not see this next part coming <laughs> yeah it's 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 hard to it's um Despite well the i fact mean that i think i told you this off off mic you know yeah this is a movie that you say we watched at my house this next scene coming up is the only scene from that movie from that time that I remember <laughs> whatsoever. And I can only imagine that it, I remembered it because it's so fucking insane. <laughs> well, I mean, this is kind of like, you know, I think she comes from an area unlike me where you don't just have a spare room full of razor wire. <laughs> <laughs> she, she climbs through this tiny ass window, falls on a little platform. <laughs> And the entire next room is just filled with razor wire. Like, have you seen those pranks where, like, in an office where someone fills a, a office up with balloons? <laughs> it's like that, but razor wire. I, I I do like to, in my head, just when she makes that first step before uh, before looking down and falls into it and is trying to tangle herself out, you just, you just want the Curb Your Enthusiasm music to play. <laughs> <laughs> it's appropriate. <laughs> Um, but not only that, she's str- she can't even get out, and she's just lacerating. You see her just writhing and lacerating herself in this. She gets and so close to the door, and just ooh. door opens, and you get a nice, nice prolonged throat slash. That's a. Uh... <laughs> right, you just don't see anything. The door just slowly opens. A hand reaches in and just gives her the business. <laughs> it's so, it's so just lackadaisical. There's no. Yeah. Like she's thrashing, but the hand that just comes in is like, eh, here we go. <laughs> um, but then, like this is the part I, I, I said wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of the, the she goes to go talk with 
uh, Susie knows that Sarah's missing. They that the school, of course, is like, oh, she just she disappeared. She fled the school. Um, she to call this person. Uh, Sarah had mentioned, I think, in the pool, she had mentioned that she had um, she had a friend who used to be her psychiatrist and and to go talk to him. So that's this is this is kind of another Dario Argento thing where he'll drop these like little insignificant clues um and and then kind of pay them off later but like some of them are are, are just he'll leave an obvious clue dangling and have somebody pursue this i feel like dario argento would make a very good dungeon nerd from this <laughs> <laughs> you put out the obvious thing nobody bites on it so like okay um you remember like that name i made up while you had that conversation in the pool that guy go see that guy <laughs> I mean, it's, it's as good an explanation as anything else I've heard, so. Um, but he kind of reveals a little bit of the history of the school and, like, um, that there was a, a Greek woman who founded it, like, almost a century ago, Helena Marcos, who was allegedly a witch. And he steers her towards this professor that yeah, You get an awful lot of backstory on Helena Marcos. <laughs> Just, like, Why? Why? Why are you telling me so much about this lady? I don't need to know her business dealings from a hundred years ago. I, I I love the detail that it was like initially just openly a a coven slash dance school. There's an, an occult academy, an, an yeah. occult academy, an occult academy. School, yeah. I, I threw in the coven pronunciation there for you too. Just... Oh man. Have you, I, 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 I dropped that, but I, have you seen American movie before? I don't with the, think I with have. With the, the the documentary about the two guys trying to make a horror movie called Coven, and they no, keep trying to. <laughs> it is it is a treat. It's one I, I'm not. I don't think we're gonna do one here, but the 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 main guy who's trying to make this movie, it's about a coven of witches, and he keeps referring to them as a coven of witches, okay. and, and like and calling this movie Coven. It's it's pretty tremendous. <laughs> maybe, maybe check that one out on my own. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they, they, she gets a little bit more to work from. So she goes back to the to school. Oh, the, the, the big thing she learns is that um, that witches are like vampires in the Lost Boys. <laughs> um, all you just gotta you gotta find the the head one, right? <laughs> and you kill that one, and all the rest of that. And the rest are powerless. Yes. Um, but she comes back to the school, and she finds that it, like everyone's gone to the ballet without her. And at this point, this is probably when you're like rightly thinking like weren't there a whole bunch of other characters in this movie that just kind of disappeared off the face they of were, the planet they, just, they disappear after that locker room scene like you never see them again well i i should you see them in the the little the dance uh part where she gets the whammy put on her but then after that literally <laughs> they're gone then we get I, I, I the 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 dog attack too I, I do have to mention that just how bad the 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 puppet effects there where he was actually getting like not on i think it, he makes up right. for it with with the next scene, which is the dog, the real dog, just pulling meat apart. Right. But, um, no, that's part of why you know it, this that death was really funny. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just, they're just screaming and wildly flailing and looking around every which way, and then all of a sudden, dog puppet attack. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mentioned that because here we get bat puppet attack. <laughs> oh, this bat! <laughs> I before before we talk about the bat, I just love her. She, you know, we have the scene where she decides oh, I've. I've I'm sick of this. I'm not, I'm not going to eat this stuff and drink this stuff. And she dumps the, the wine down the sink and flushes, yeah. flushes the full meal down the toilet. The hell of a water pressure in that toilet. <laughs> the full fillet of fish. 
all the fixins on sides, is this, vegetables. Is, is this another episode of Log Talk? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's appropriate. I mean, we could segue right into it if you want. I've, I've got it loaded up. Um, but yeah, but then she dumps she dumps the the wine down the the sink and it's all thick and blood like and she yeah. goes out in the hallway and I thought this was <laughs> I thought this was hysterical. The the head cleaning lady is down, you know. Wiping off a painting is what it looked like to me, <laughs> and and she just goes, "Where is everybody?" She's like, "They went to the opera. They they all got tickets." She's like, "Well, then why didn't they fucking tell me?" <laughs> Would you wanted to go? Well, no, but it'd been nice to be invited. <laughs> I know their witch is trying to kill me and all, but <laughs> okay, but that but that bat though. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I can't defend the bat, but that's just. That's some stuff that happens in this movie. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's Halloween Express level. <laughs> but we, we do start to get to the, um, she starts to gradually remember, she had already remembered some of the words that had said, that Pat right. had said that there was like secret and iris. And she goes, she follows where the, where she thinks she led Sarah, she, where the footsteps are going. Counting the footsteps in her head. She's like, I can follow this and figure out where they're, where they're going. Yeah. Um, and she finds a secret door. <laughs> um, that's that's what was, what Pat was trying to communicate. Into, into the real occult part of this occult. Yeah. <laughs> the, the underground witch lair, um, which she she finds the uh, you know the the room. I, I guess these folks weren't like on attendance for for that opera that ever ballet that everybody was going to. It's just oh everybody important to the school is going to dip. You all you all go. Right. All the teachers didn't go, but all the students went. There's no chaperones or nothing. And this is just, I, I love that this is like a, just a brief scene of all these witches on their own, not being, not knowing they're being watched, just being bad bitches. <laughs> I, I love that the headmistress is like, we gotta kill that goddamn American girl. We gotta kill her. I was like, whoa, I thought you liked her. No, don't don't trust a witch, man. Come on. I guess not. I'm I'm sure there are many pagans and people who consider themselves witches out there who are lovely people, but not in the world of this. Not in the world of Suspiria. Don't trust these witches. Um, but this is where we get a uh, we 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 get to see what happened to Sarah. We get we get Sarah at some point. She got some spikes in her eyes and, and in her wrist. It looks like she's trying oh, yeah. to nail to that pin, uh, that pin down. On yeah. Um. But but Susie finds the 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 lair of Amelda Mar the head witch. Melda or... Marcos is that what we're going with that? It is. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Helena. <laughs> Helena Marcos. I'm pretty sure it's not Amelda. That might be someone else. <laughs> Shut up, man! It's one of my favorite movies. I can change people's names <laughs> however I want to. Clearly, if if people can just write fan fiction about Greek mythology, you can just write fan fiction about this. Yeah, there's there's three more mothers. <laughs> <laughs> um. But the uh, you get kind of a it's I I like a lot of the scene I do um, the snoring comes back and this is how, this is how you know yeah the snoring comes back and then you get you know a little bit of a, a little bit of a callback for the true uh, darheads out there you get a bird with some crystal plumage <laughs> I don't know uh, nothing so, to me. Uh, there's a crazy crystal bird statue in her room and and uh, Susie knocks it down waking um helena marcos <laughs> um who who realizes who it is and is delighted that Susie has come to her so now she can kill her with the living dead and bring bring her friend back to life to kill her yeah um 
But then, like, I, 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 the bit that does take me out of it is that that Susie can look at this bed that doesn't have a person in it, but she's seen the shadow of a person. There's a person talking to her directly from the bed, and the bed is also depressed as if a person was sitting there. Yeah. And it's like, it's not until the lightning strikes that she's like, wait a tick. <laughs> <laughs> There's an outline of a person here. <laughs> yeah, this these effects weren't very special. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Sarah. I like Sarah a, a lot. I, I think the the design of this Sarah zombie with her spikes in her eyes and <laughs> coming yeah. in with her laceration stuff is, is... more more referring to uh, Imelda Marcos <laughs> as she is now known. I think that's the isn't that the that's the the, the Philippines lady, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Uh, boy, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this would this would have been a different movie. <laughs> if she found one of her shoes and stabbed her to death with it. <laughs> but yeah, stabbing instead, pretty cool, though. Yeah, you get that 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 glass peacock quill gets uh gets stabbed into uh to the head witch and as advertised, uh this this causes all the other witches to start dying and falling apart and yeah she was uh she's a load-bearing with <laughs> this whole and building the, on her yeah the whole building starts to like crumble and tear apart we get we get the return of some uh some pretty cool nightmare on elm street 3 effects of the uh just the, the shreds going down the hallway mm-hmm. as, as she's running out as it's like the, the wallpaper is tearing itself off and the the building's crumbling um and then uh you she leaves you get a you get a little maniacal laugh a little little relief and you realize that you have been watching suspiria because the movie tells you you have been watching suspiria <laughs> i would not have known otherwise i i'm i think more movies should do that <laughs> what hey what have i been doing for the last hour and a half oh thanks citizen kane <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> it just, it's helpful i mean it you, you gotta give your audience a little something um so yeah you what, what is there is there stuff you want to talk? there's the, there's definitely a few few of the scenes that i wanted to go back to but i want to i want to see if there's anything we didn't go into to, to your satisfaction um no let's talk about what you want to talk about um okay i kind of i kind of hit some of the stuff that i wanted to talk about while we were going through so. yeah um so i i kind of mentioned some of the, the the stuff that's like the fairy tale stuff, the 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 stuff about like the senses, but I I do want to kind of just like call out specifically some of those like sense and memory things that I think are just fucking awesome in this movie and how it works um okay. really well. I think like the opening scene where she, you get the narration basically just saying this person is <laughs> moved from America, they they joined this ballet academy and she's in an airport and Susie's coming out and it's silence in the airport. And then you get the main theme every time the camera switches to the door. Right. It just switches back silence, back to door theme. And then she goes out and like she step when she steps into the storm, the storm goes fucking insane and starts blowing her everywhere. And I think that's like such an awesome setting your expectations for what this movie is. Like. Right. <laughs> um, now I now that you're I mean you're saying that and in watching that scene I was. I noticed I was like drawn to the to the door like is I I didn't notice the you know the the cutbacks to silence and the, the cutbacks to the music but the way that even without knowing that you know myself without seeing that I was drawn to you know it was clear that something was going on with the door I thought there was going to be some jump scare or something it, it just I mean it kind of is it's interesting I mean, she's... 
without <laughs> notice, noticing, you know, the the specific technique that's going on there that I was still uh, pulled in the direction that they wanted me to go. Yeah, and I, I don't know, like, if the first time I saw this, I I could kind of articulate how it works so well because I think it's just so it's such a um, one of the things I do want to talk about, like from a technical standpoint, like how the colors in this movie work. Mm-hmm. Um, so the cinematographer, Dario Argento basically just said, like gave, told him to watch, uh, Walt Disney's snow white. And that was his frame of reference for what colors he wanted to use. He also used this really weird, like technique to film where it's like, he filmed it on like the color stock of the time ran it through a um, ran the print through a Technicolor machine that was like super old, like one from like some of the first color movies mm-hmm. um, and then did like a different chemical technique that like favored kind of the boldness of colors instead of the um, instead of like the subtleties of, of diff- being able to differentiate like like a real red is going to have like a whole bunch of different reds in its fabric by using this technique. When you see that red, it is like, fucking red like, yeah. all the way through like it's it, it's a pretty crazy technical trick to kind of really get you into that mind frame and i think it, it i think it works staggeringly well like um and just you know i i call out just like all the different like beautiful things i mean we've already mentioned some of the things that you see in this movie mm-hmm. but just these 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 images that um like I, the the blood in the movie is real like almost kind of purplish and like pastel-y yeah um, yeah um but i think it works <laughs> it like it, it it serves to just kind of further heighten the reality that's already so jacked up at all times <laughs> like um but yeah i think like I, some of the moments of of solitude work too like one of the things i wanted to talk about was was the pool scene like did, did that kind of stand out to you or did were you kind of surprised that i wanted to talk about that I was a little surprised that you wanted to talk about it. Um, I, what I noticed was that it, it it was another scene that reminded me a lot of uh, early on in the the hotel when she, when she ran away was in the hotel. Like it was just like visually striking. Yeah, um, and it's and it's a similar and that's actually like the sim very similar architectural st- or design style. It's that Art Deco. Right. Um, that so that's like that's a that's a good visual callback on, on that. But I. What I, I think I love most about this scene is that it there's a lot of exposition scenes in this movie that kind of lay out what's going on. But this one just feel, feels filled with so much menace um, where you know that there are forces in the school that are like very interested in what they know and are, are keeping an eye on them. And you've seen like other students go by and he films it really voyeuristically. Like he comes up. I, w- I was going to say it's all you get it almost from the perspective of someone who's like, like spying on. Them. Yeah. And it's, um, the, the, the way it's lit is also just phenomenal. And they, um, he gave them spe- like specific instruction to like, as they swim to like disturb the water as little as possible. Okay. So like they're, they're, they're plotting this, you know, or, or, or sharing the information they know about this and in hushed tones, but it's like, they're also swimming, which is normally not like a, an activity. <laughs> right you necessarily find conducive to like oh let's 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 talk let's go hop in the in the giant swimming pool real quick. <laughs> it's just the two of them in this enormous pool yeah and it's just i think it just builds the I mean, so well it's just it's one right. of those things where it's like i i get gobsmacked every time i see it i'm just like oh my god like <laughs> well yeah i mean this is another one of those instances where like 
you would expect there to be other other girls around, you know? Yeah. And they're just not. It's just yeah. it's just the two of them. It feels like they're the only people in this building. Yeah. Well, you see, like you see two people leaving as they're coming, in. but other right. than that, it's they're they're completely isolated here. Um. Yeah. That that scene is just oh my god, so visually striking to me, and and like the um, you know, I, I think we we touched on it briefly just with talking about like the Helena Marcus's room, but when when Susie's approaching and it's from Helena Marcus's point of view, and it's all like the billowing um like tapestry of her bed and it's lit with like five different crazy gels <laughs> and she's approaching with like the the the, the quill like <laughs> i mean there, there's a lot of that there's a lot of a lot of lighting like colored lights all over the place yeah yeah that's it it, it is quite insane um another thing i think looks works really well and it's something i, I mentioned that we would come back to is um i i kind of want to talk with you like how did how did the how did the maggot scene work for you um, I, like I said, there were a lot of them. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't expecting. I didn't, I didn't really know what was going on at first, but like they're dropping real maggots on these girls and in their hair and in the brushes. And it was rice. Was, it was rice. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it looked real enough to me. Yeah. I, I guess in the, in the overall scheme of things, I'm not sure exactly what it meant other than like, I don't know what purpose it served in this movie other than to make you feel unsettled. Well, I think that's this is the kind of movie where that can be a purpose of itself. Sure. I, I think the other thing is that it does is it I think it serves as a metaphor um, just that there's something there's something rotten in the school. Right. <laughs> um, okay. it, it also serves to um, to get all of the girls together so that you can have that scene where Helena Marcos is is out amongst the general population and is able to be kind of sniffed out by, by Sarah. Um, I think there's other ways you could definitely get there, but I think that's, that's how he chose to. And it's just this, I, 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 I find it just a, I don't know. It, maggots creep me out, man. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's, it's gross. And I mean, the floor upstairs when they go to find out what's going on is just coated. And then when they find the, the spoiled food, they linger, the shot lingers on the maggots crawling all over the stuff for, yeah, maybe longer than some people would be comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's kind of a visual um, like foreshadowing too of of just sort of how Sarah ends up dying in the razor wire. It's kind of a similar a, a similar appearance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess um, I can see that. Yeah, I think I and I don't know. It's it, I, I I think he's. He's he's maybe not Kubrick level, but he's he's meticulous enough and detail oriented enough. I can see like a lot of those visual cues kind of corresponding. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think that scene is is great. There, there's also like um, a lot of kind of screen legends in here. There's 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 people who are whose stars were kind of faded. Like the Miss Tanner was somebody. Uh, she went by Volley, and then she was in a, a bunch of other movies where she was supposed to be like the next Greta Garbo, and it didn't. Kind of really happened that way. <laughs> happened, yeah. But like she continued to be like a, a working actress throughout her life. And she's, you know, she's a, a striking figure. <laughs> she's, yeah. Um, um, the the um, I, I remember I'm talking about Miss Tanner, the the other like the the second in command, the, the headmistress right. is Joan Bennett. And she's also was like in a bunch of stuff in the Golden Age of Hollywood and kind of had a, a career renaissance uh, revival um, later in life when she was. We mentioned Dark Shadows once before. She was she was on Dark Shadows a very long time. She was like okay. one of the main characters. So 
little, little bit of genre bona fides. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, I believe you. There's not, <laughs> I don't dig into the, the history that much, so. Like, yeah, yeah. If you say so, man. <laughs> Whatever. They did I, okay. You no, know, I, I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the history. I appreciate that these are kind of important people. Yeah, um, and, and I think just sort of like it's it's good casting. Like they do. I it's it's kind of funny because I think I think we're we're gonna get to the crispy here pretty soon. I, th- I think you might be surprised by who I hand this crispy. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's just the, the he picks people that all have a very unique look, and it's kind of a little unnerving. Um, right. Dar- Daria Nicolodi was supposed to be in this. She was initially slated to play the main character once they they age shifted. Um, then, um, they basically, Dario's dad, Salvatore's like, no, make, make the main character an American. <laughs> um, so then she was supposed to play Sarah and then she got hurt before they, they, they was kind of a, a, a last minute replacement. And I'll, I'll give a little spoiler. The, the winner of my, of my crispy is not Stefania Cassini as, as Sarah, but I think, I think she gives one of the stronger performances in this movie, especially considering it was last minute. Sure. Yeah. I, I think I would agree with that. Yeah, she's. I think she she sells her fear really well. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I mean, was there other? I I feel like we're just talking about like oh, or at least on my end, like oh that that sure was pretty. But is there is there other stuff that kind of grabbed you, or do you want to kind of pull up onto the sales floor, or what? Um. What I th- I think really the only other thing that I want to you know kind of to hammer home again is is just how good I think the soundtrack is. Yeah, Go- Goblin is phenomenal, and they've done a. a ton of work with Dario Argento and with other people. Yeah. Uh, it's, they get a little hair medley in the eighties for my taste, but um, still pretty rad. Still like, and I they, just, I think that regardless of what your feelings about this movie are, yeah. uh, that the soundtrack is, is definitely a standout and yeah. probably one of the stronger soundtracks for a movie I've heard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really great. Especially like, like if you're not, looking at soundtracks that are just like in the, in the nineties and two thousands when it was just like, here's a bunch of popular bands. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but something kind of specifically for a movie. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, the, they do still tour occasionally. I, I would really like to see them because a lot of times they will, they will tour with a movie and they okay. will play, they will play the score live as the movie. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that could be fun to do. Yeah, that that sounds really rad to me. If they if, if they if that ever happens again in a world, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I encourage people to seek out their stuff. He uh, Dario Argento started working first with another composer for his earlier Jalos. I actually like a lot of that stuff too, but that's kind of a little bit more traditional kind of Italian movie music and not as freaked out as Goblin is. <laughs> Um, I was, I will, I just gonna, I'll say that I was surprised by how much the soundtrack uh, impacted me. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, that is that was that was by design. <laughs> oh, cool. So <laughs> let's uh, let's 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 hop up on the old uh, sales floor here. You like the soundtrack, I know. Uh, did, did did the rest of this movie grab you? Are we are we are we looking at a at a winner this week? Um, I I will say that this one is a win. I am buying this movie. Uh, okay. It is not. I don't think that it's. I don't have as strong uh, opinions about it or feelings about it as you do. Um, okay. That, like the the soundtrack and uh, a lot of the visual stuff really propelled it for me. Whereas I feel like uh, you know we we mentioned it while we we're talking about the the plot and stuff is a little, is a little on the weaker side. Not that it needed to be really really super tight 
um, yeah. going forward. But sometimes it's hard for me to look past the, the stuff that doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, and I, I I think what's kind of helped me with it, kind of come to terms with it, because I, I kind of thought the same thing the first time I saw it, was that was kind of recontextualizing it as a fairy tale and kind of having right. it in my head as like, oh, maybe the details are a little fuzzy because this is, it's almost like an uh, oral tradition story, but set in the modern. <laughs> no, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. Like, like I said earlier, as a, you know, you saying, you know, these were supposed to be 13 year old girls and, you know, it's, it's kind of a fairy tale setting. Those things do go a long way towards, uh, yeah. Contextualizing Shoring up. <laughs> Yeah, um, maybe there, maybe there could be like a sequel at some point that's just like the Mark and Olga story. Like <laughs> we used to be in this movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's uh. yeah, that, I think this is this is this is good. It was worth watching. I, I enjoyed nice. it. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad it wasn't a chore for you. I know kind of my my love for Italian horror in, in particular, like I might try to get you to watch some more like traditional giallos, but there's there's a part of my brain that acknowledges that some of those are like man this is just kind of like real pretty soft core <laughs> <laughs> hey there's a place for that my man I, one one other thing i wanted to say was you know the kind of the topic of of this movie um from our last recording was that this is some stuff that you know <laughs> we watched at my house yeah i kind of understand you know watching it now why maybe it didn't uh land for me back then like I don't know that I yeah, can yeah. articulate it completely, but I understand, you know, who I was back then and, and you know, kind of where I am now, why I'm able to look at it now and go, OK, I can appreciate this now. Whereas back then I probably just was not interested. Yeah. And I I, I, I I the vague memory I have of it is that I think there were multiple people at your house at the same time. And I think there was probably just like conversations or other things that were going on that and you were like maybe occasionally turning back in that, <laughs> to what was going on. That seems likely. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i got a, I got a crispy here and like i said i, I think this one's gonna be a, a a burgess meredith and burnt offerings level surprise for you all right uh, I'm, I'm giving this one to in, in a in a brief role barbara magnalfi as olga every time she's on on the screen i i, I want more olga <laughs> i wanted more I olga. gotta have more olga <laughs> <laughs> she's such a she's such an awesome like alpha bitch like student level threat like she should have been like a sub boss Right. That like that Susie had to go through to get to like the the real witches. And yeah, uh, no, like, you, she's you don't get first, it. Like the first time you see her is like the first time you really outside of, you know, the the murder in the very beginning. Like she's the first time you really see, oh, there's like witchcraft, like th- something hinky happened right now with her on the screen. So <laughs> I kind of well, thought I, like she was, you know, the hand behind the throne a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, the first time you see her, she's just, like, she's vamping with, like, the cigarette holder, and she's dropping the, the epic-level burn of the of the S names being the, the names for snakes, and I'm just like, I am on board. I, I want I want more of what Olga has yeah. to offer. <laughs> okay, sure. so... So you wanna you wanna we got a, we got a crispy handed out we got our our our, our sale yeah. successful. Do you wanna talk about what we're gonna do for our next movie? Yeah, hit me with it. So this this is another one that I am I, I did get confirmation from you that it, it is yeah. one that this is the first one that I think you said you you know you have seen and you have memory of and it's not like a, a child's play surprise that you <laughs> that you this, right. this movie that that you know the plot of. 
Um, we're going to watch Scream. We're going to watch ni- 1996. I will say, uh, I'll take it even a step further than that. I think I may have seen this more than once. Yeah, yeah. It, it would not surprise me. I, I think this was one that caught on with our friend group in the way that some of the other horror movies that I was into did not. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's Wes Craven kind of kind of reinventing the slasher genre in, in the 90s. I, I, I just rewatched it again for the first time in probably about 20 years. Um, oh. I will say it's a li- it hits a little different. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, 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 it's, it, I think it's still an awesome movie. I want to talk about it, but boy, like just the waves of nineties coming off of it were <laughs> a bit <Okay>. overwhelming. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm getting a, I'm getting a little whiff of ginger snaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's in the ballpark. Um, so yeah, nice. I look forward to that for next time. Well, cool. I'm, uh, like I said, I've seen it before. I'm looking forward to watching it again. It, it's been probably about that long since I watched it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think think this will be a fun one, and we'll do a little little business here, and then we'll we'll let these kind people we've held hostage go home. Nice. <laughs> about time. Uh, yeah. uh, so we can follow us on Twitter at Scream Selling. Uh, the the Facebook group asked for an for an invite. We will we will let you on in. Um, and if you want to send us an email, send it to SellingTheScream at Gmail. Um, if you feel the urge in your heart to, to help us out, um, go on to iTunes, please rate and review us. It is the, the best thing you can do to help get us spread further out there. Get us into more ears. If the spirit moves you. Yes. Um, we would, we would definitely appreciate it. They, they do just want the, the, the good ones on the site. Uh, they, they keep changing up what they tell me that what they uh, want you to do with the bad ones. Um, apparently they, they just want you to replace the words to the song um, message in a bottle by the police with your bad review. It has to fit the meter and, and right. sing it and sing it to the first homeless person. And, and that that's, I don't know, seems strange to me, but that's, that is what Apple wants. No, um, I've heard, I've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of big corporations are taking that approach now. Yeah, I mean that's the you, you gotta get word on the street. It's just the thing, yeah. <laughs> Comes and goes in waves, man. Um, yeah, that's that is that's what I got. Is there anything else you want to close out with as I return to my Silent Hill set home of Portland here? No, I don't think I've got anything else for these people. We can uh, we can let them go, and we'll see uh, them next time. Yeah, bye. Bye. Oh, thank you. <laughs>